Hey, this is Steve. This podcast is all about making the gospel relevant to your life. That means discovering the good news of Jesus, no matter what you're going through today. Mm, But this one is a little different. Today is the day that we reveal what happened during our 21-day spiritual journey and the Right Now campaign. Yet our church has been called to build a building, a bigger building, a platform for the gospel in Gilmer County. It's something that's far beyond our reach, yet God has a way of making up differences. So I hope you'll listen today and hear the good news of what God has done among us. Hey, I'm just going to be honest. This particular podcast episode is actually much better on video. Yeah, not only do you get to see my ruggedly good-looking face, (laughs) but you also get to see the stats, the numbers that I'm displaying on the screen behind me. Yeah, and there's a graph that's really important to me that you only get when you watch. So I'd invite you to watch on YouTube or on our website. Watch this episode instead of just listening to it. But if you choose to listen only, well, nobody's going to disavow you. God bless you. How are you doing this morning? Are you ready? Uh, Because I want to talk about how good God is. Is that all right with you? All right. I just want to talk about that. But before I get into it, I just really want to say thank you. Thank you for being patient with me. Uh, Last week, my whole family uh, did the whole big move thing. We traveled um, to Gillette, Wyoming in U-Haul vehicles and uh, moved my son and his wife, Lauren, and their two kids into their new house in Gillette. Two-thirds of our trip, we drove through snow. And that was my view most of the way. Um, It was kind of an interesting, interesting trip. uh, But we got my son and their family all moved in. That's their house right there. And uh, they live now there. They belong to the north. Uh, west, not really kind of the west. They are a wild west. They live on the edge of town. And so it's town. It's like six or 10 blocks, you know, a little town. And then you get one block outside of town and you're in a scene from Dances with Wolves. It's just really amazing uh, and beautiful out there. So we just kind of spent the whole time uh, moving stuff and taking ibuprofen. <laughs> At least that's what I did. Um, so we're grateful to be back. We got back on Friday, and um, uh, so I'm just grateful. I'm, I've been really eager today to get to this. We want to talk about the thing that God has called us to. He's called us to a vision way above and beyond us. He's called us to something that we cannot do. Um, And when we started talking about this, when we started praying about this, we realized that this whole thing that God's called us to can not be about concrete and steel. It just can't, it can't be about concrete and steel. Um, We really believe that concrete and steel, that the money that it takes to build the concrete and steel, that's all just a byproduct of something much greater. He calls us first to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added to you so we decided a long time ago that this would be about the kingdom 
first. It's kingdom first. So rather than me standing here uh, for four weeks, five weeks, asking you to please give money toward a building, instead of doing that, we decided to launch together into a 21-day spiritual journey. We wanted to seek him first. We wanted to make that the important thing, not a building, but Jesus. He is the treasure, right? We don't lay up treasure here in this world. He is our treasure. So we wanted to seek him first. And I'm telling you, I'm really proud of our church because we took this seriously. You guys really responded in this whole uh, deal. We had 113 people committed to daily prayer and Bible reading. Um, we saw 80, sorry, 62 people commit to fasting once a week. Uh, we had 100 people praying specifically for someone to come to know Christ. And we had 75 people commit to sharing the gospel during that time. Uh, and lastly, we had 70 people uh, commit to serving in our community by helping a neighbor in some particular way. So we all jumped right into this. I was really, really happy with the response as you guys just jumped right into this. And we sort of launched the whole thing with a 24-hour period of prayer and Bible reading. And that was incredible. I was really, really super blown away by uh, how you responded to that also. You know, we've done this 24-hour prayer thing in the past, and it's been, you know, I think well attended, um, but not by most of us, but by a few of us. And so I came in here and set up, you know, I, I said, our people are really into this. Our people are taking this seriously. So, you know, instead of doing what we normally do, let's set up 20 or 30 chairs. Let's be bold and let's set up 50 chairs to kick this thing off for the first hour. And then we had to almost double it because we had 90 at the prayer kickoff that evening. It was just awesome. It was an awesome hour. And then after that, we split up into the prayer areas for the next 23 hours, and we had over 70 people participate in prayer for the next 23 hours after our prayer kickoff. It was really, really incredible. People coming and praying and just really, like I said, taking it seriously. Not only that, but we also had uh, over 60 people participate in ongoing, not stopping Bible reading in two separate rooms. Uh, we just had people reading the scripture out loud for 24 straight hours here uh, on this campus, and it was incredible. I took the very last 30-minute segment um, because there was nobody else at that one. I said, well, I guess that's the one nobody wants. So I did 30 minutes, um, and I just I stood in that room right there. I stood in that room um, just reading through the Sermon on the Mount real slow. And I'm telling you, uh, everybody, everybody that was involved in this, whether praying or reading the Bible or both, they would come back down the stairs uh, afterwards and they were saying things like, God is moving. God is just doing something. What a blessing to be able to. I had several people who prayed for 30 minutes and then came back for another 30 minutes and then back for another 30 minutes. I had some people that would pray for a while and then go sleep in their car and then come back in here and pray for longer and go sleep in their car and then come back. It was amazing to see uh, people doing the prayer and the reading uh, of the word that whole time. It was amazing. One of the things I loved about it is uh, during the prayer time, we had these little prayer journals. 
um, that were apparently donated by a 13-year-old girl. <laughs> and uh, I, I just got to read through some of these uh, prayers that were written, and uh, I was blown away uh, by how deep and how personal some of these were. This is the, uh, this one is the um, Adoration and Thanksgiving Prayer Journal, and I'm just going to read one of them. In the last service, I read a few, but I'm just going to read one. Great are you, Lord, my rock and my shield. You are strong and unshakable with towers that no enemy of righteousness can stand against. How can I fear beneath the wing of your love and protection? Your mighty hand and your outstretched arm reaches to the very depths of my anxiety, and I know peace. Joy is unending while my thoughts remain sharp and my memory of your faithfulness remains vigilant. Warm and hopeful are my thoughts of your steadfast love. How could I lose hope? How could I doubt? How could I forget you when every moment of my life is filled with miracles declaring the reality, the greatness, the majesty, the omnipotence, and the glory of God? The enemy boasts in vain as you prepare to call forth heavenly angels to blast the trumpet, heralding the return of the king and the beginning of all things made new. They are reminded of their temporal state and tremble at their fate. Your very words penetrate and cut your enemies in half, clearing a path for your church to move forward and take its place at the side of the bridegroom forever. Glory to God. Isn't that beautiful? And this notebook is just, it's, it's full of these kinds of deep prayers that just blew me away. I was just blown away by it. So that prayer time was fantastic. And then, you know, the following week, we had issued a challenge to our life groups, and a lot of our life groups took us up on it. They, they decided to do something kind of out of the ordinary, uh, something a little different and out of their comfort zone. One of the stories was the Gorman life group who went down to Jasper, and they served together for the day uh, at the Pregnancy Center's um, thrift store. They needed some help down there doing some things. So they went down there, organized, cleaned, uh, built some stuff for them, and just kind of got their place in order really, really well, just serving outside themselves. And I think they've committed to going back and doing it again and again. And I heard several other good stories about life groups that had issued a challenge to their people to do different things. It was just amazing. During this 21 days, our Celebrate Recovery Ministry celebrated their eighth anniversary. Uh, it just happened to coincide with our 21-day uh, spiritual journey, and a lot of you guys came out and served during that time. What an amazing night of this room being packed full, packed full of people hearing the good news about Jesus and experiencing uh, their addictions being broken. Just a really amazing thing. Our kid zone got in on the act and they uh, did a whole thing uh, around building a wall. Uh, there's Bert leading them through. They kind of did a field trip, I guess, around and uh, did a hike around here and everything. And they did all kinds of stuff. They even built a tree up in there and, and all kinds of stuff, just kind of uh, talking to and praying with their kids uh, about uh, what God was doing here our youth ministry, Stephen, also did a big series about sacrifice and giving and what that all looks like. I didn't get any video of that, sorry. Um, 
But we heard some amazing things, amazing stories, and I'm going to read you one or two of them here in just a couple of minutes about our kids. We sort of wrapped the thing up a week late with the prayer walk on the property. And um, I got to say that we, we postponed it a week, so I, I missed it. It was the week I was traveling. We postponed it a week because of the terrible, terrible rainstorm that came through on the previous week in our imagination. <laughs> It just didn't happen at all. That week would have actually been a much better week to be up there because it was like 30 degrees warmer and not raining. Uh, but on uh, the following Saturday, we had a, people show, a lot of people show up in their cars and stay in their cars, I think, uh, for the prayer time. And uh, I, it was amazing to see uh, those folks. I got to watch the video uh, of those folks coming and, and praying on each corner of the property and then get out of there as fast as they could. Um, they also prayed in the state out area where the building is going to be. Uh, so the first prayer in the new building has already happened. Praise the Lord. Most importantly, through these 21 days, we've seen six people turn their lives over to Christ. Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I think five of them are scheduled to be baptized right here in the next hour. We're going to get all five of them in here. Now we're down to four. Okay, so we're attritioning away. Uh, so four of them are going to be baptized in the next hour right here. Uh, in these 21 days, we've seen 81 new partners join our church. 81 people join our church in that amount of time. Praise the Lord. And by the way, a lot of you recurring partners who were partners last year did not partner with us yet this year. It's not too late to do that. If you want to partner with us this year, I want you to partner with us. If you want to partner, come see Stephen Mansell as soon as the service is over in our Dot Life Connection area right out here, and he'll show you how to work all that stuff out. We'd love for you uh, to partner with us. We saw 55 people visit life groups that don't normally attend life groups. Praise the Lord. And we saw 18 of those join, actually join life groups. And we're hoping for a lot more still on that. We've just seen story after story about how God is working in incredible ways. In fact, you guys have been really good and faithful to email me. I just got lots and lots of stories about what God's doing during this time, and I don't have time to read them all. I wish I did, um, but let me just read you a couple of them. This one's from Ty Yoakum, one of our life group leaders. This was part of their challenge. He said, recently our life group decided to help a family that needed some repairs done on their home. We not only were able to pay their repair bills, but we had money left over to start a benevolence fund to cover future needs that might arise. That's pretty cool that a life group's got their own benevolence fund that they got going on. Uh, the Hayward Life Group did a thing with a challenge. Um, I got a story. I just I, I have a story. I, I just kind of made a note uh, for we we've got a lady in our church uh, that I barely knew. I barely knew um, last year, and uh, the only thing I really knew, other than just saying hey to her, uh, the only thing I really knew about her is that many of our Sundays she would turn in a response card, and the response card would say the same thing need financial prayers prayer pray for us for financial needs and a lot of times she would give these financial needs kind of prayers so we'd call her we'd be like hey how can we help what can we do for you and she'd be always responding no no don't worry just pray for us just keep praying just keep praying so we kept praying for her financial situation 
And then out of the blue, um, during this time, um, she dropped uh, just out of, this, out of the blue a $10,000 check in the Highland Fund toward the new building, $10,000. So I called her. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> we, we're praying for you to have financial assistance. She says, keep praying. She said, you keep praying because this is only the beginning. God's got something big in mind. This is why I'm here is to help get this church building built. Praise the Lord. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. I got notes about God doing uh, spiritual work, about God making breakthroughs uh, in relationships. Um, let, me, let me just read you one that I just saw Skylar Long this morning. Uh, and so this is one about Skylar. Uh, Skylar is the child of Bert and Aubrey who serve in our children's ministry area. And Aubrey sent me this note. Uh, she says, Skylar... Our son was so excited when he found out about the new church building being built. He was so excited about a new building for Jesus and a playground for him. <laughs> the first week, he brought $10 from his piggy bank at home. The second week, he brought some of his Christmas money, $25. The third week, he asked if he could get money out of his savings account. I didn't have a savings account when I was a kid. I'd never even seen $25 before. Uh, but he asked if he could get some money out of his savings account. He was so excited, he wanted a new church building so that when he's in youth ministry, he can be in the new church building. So he asked to take $100 out of his savings account to give to the church, so we did. And after he gave that, he was brainstorming how he could get more money for the building he decided he wanted that, uh, for him and his little brothers to open up a lemonade stand and raise money for our new church. So we bought lemons, sugar, and cups, and now we're trying to figure out where we can put the stand up. Isn't that awesome? That's just really cool. Praise the Lord. Um, I'm not trying to focus on giving ones or children's ministry ones, but those are the ones that just are striking my heart right now. Tiffany Parker sent this note. Uh, she says, it was the first week of the building campaign and our story in children's ministry was on the widow's might. We talked about the widow and the heart through which she gave. We also talked about Jesus and how he saw the poor widow. I told the kids that if it was important enough for Jesus to call his friends over to see the widow, then it was very important for us to notice as well. He's trying to show us the heart of giving and what's really important. It was such a good lesson, and the kids seemed to really understand the heart of giving. In class, right before the closing, one of the boys tried to hand me a dollar. I tried to tell him that he needed to keep it until next week. That's when we're doing our giving. But he was adamant about giving it to me because he's only with us every other week because he's with his other parent on the off weeks. He said next week he'd be at the other parents, and he said that he did not want to miss out on giving. He was afraid that if he didn't give right then and there, he would not be able to. Wow. Praise the Lord. It's just amazing to, to hear this, these heart stories that are going on. God's really working in us, and I think that those hearts come from seeking him first. It's God that softens a heart in, that, in those ways. So Jesus, talking about the most important commandment, says this. He says, here it is. You must love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest <coughs> commandment. And he goes on and he says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets, everything about your relationship with me is based on these two commandments. The whole relationship is based on these two commandments, love God and love others. And so I just want to kind of call out this phrase here, based on. The actual word here, it's a Greek word, it's one word, and it's Kremanumi. I've practiced saying it a hundred times and I'm probably going to still get it wrong. Kremanumi is the Greek word there. It's a weird word. It's a funny word, isn't it? So all the relationship with me is based on, it's Kremanumi, uh, this, loving God and loving others. Kremanumi means to hang or to be suspended. It's hung on this. Your relationship with me is hung on loving God and loving others. This word is a funny word, krimanumi, and it does not appear very often at all in the New Testament. In fact, it only occurs a very, very small, less than a handful of times. One of the other places it occurs is in Matthew 18, where Jesus is talking about making someone else stumble. And he says, if you cause one of these little ones, he's, he's using a child as an example. If you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin... Have you ever caused somebody else to sin? Come on, you were two years old once and you have parents. And I bet you made them cuss more than once. Am I right? So he says, if you've ever been there, if you've ever done that, he says, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck. It would be better for you to krenami a millstone <coughs> around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. He's saying that your sin and my sin that we have, even this little thing causing someone else to stumble, causing someone else to falter, making somebody mad, making somebody else hate you, uh, getting somebody else fired up, breaking a relationship, that hangs around you like a millstone and it curses you. It's gonna drown you. That's what he's saying here, Right? But this same word is found in one other place in the New Testament. In Galatians, it says that Christ has rescued us from that curse pronounced by the law when he was hung on a cross. He took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing, for it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is krenami, hung on a tree. Yeah, the reason we do this is because we had a curse hanging around our neck that was going to sink us. But Jesus went and allowed himself to be hung on a tree and take the curse for us. He died in our place. And so our response, when we see him, when we seek him, when we find him, then we realize it's all his anyway, and we just give back to him. That's why this is about the kingdom first. It's not about money, it's about the kingdom. So we've seen God just do amazing, amazing things and we're grateful. But I know, I know we've got to address the elephant in the room. Everybody wants to know, okay, money-wise, how did we do? How did we do? So 
I don't like talking about money, but seriously, it's, it's money that makes the vision happen. We know that. It's obvious. So um, we just believe that money is the byproduct. It's not the thing, right? Money is not our treasure. Jesus is the treasure. His kingdom is the treasure. We don't lay up for ourselves treasure here in this world. It's him. It's there. It's that. Amen? So uh, money is just the, the byproduct of us seeking him first. So in this whole process, I've kind of studied churches. I've looked at what churches do. And some of us are old enough to remember back in the day when it used to be that a church would raise the money and build with cash. Remember that? Yeah, that was the thing. That was the way churches wanted to do it back in the day, but not anymore. It's just not really feasible anymore. You know the cost of our building. It's $8.7 million is our projected cost, and we can't even come close to that. It's just not a thing anymore. And so what most churches do, I've studied it, I've, most churches anymore, what they do is they have a, a two-year or they have multiple two-year or even multiple three-year campaigns in order to raise money. So they might not do a two-year thing like we're doing. They might do a four-year or a six-year or even an eight-year building campaign. And what they do is they typically will try to raise just enough money to buy into a mortgage that will choke them out, right? And if they take on a mortgage that's just too much for them. Well, our elders had talked about this quite a while ago. We had talked about a mortgage. Is a mortgage viable for us? Because obviously, you know, it's not likely we're going to be able to get close to the amount of money to build a building. So we decided a long time ago that we may have to take out a mortgage. But our elders were very stern, not even blinking, saying we will not, we're going to cap it. We're not going to just say, we'll take out a mortgage for whatever we need. We're going to cap it. And our elders decided a long time ago that we would never take out a mortgage for more than $1 million. Because any more than that would actually be a burden on our church. We think we can handle a million-dollar mortgage, but we don't think we can deal with more than that. So they, they decided that we'd cap it at a million. Of course, you can see the problem here. The problem is our little $1 million mortgage covering one is a long way from our projected cost of $8.7 million. So we got a problem there. That's why we decided to do a two-year pledge campaign. So before we did it, we had some church consultants do financial analysis on our church. Two separate organizations doing two separate financial analyses, and both of them came to the same conclusion. They looked at our church, they looked at our giving, they looked at our trends, they know what churches do and how they work, and they said, they said that we, if we went into a two-year campaign, that over the course of two years, that on the outside edge, the most that we would likely raise would be about $1 million. And we couldn't expect more than that. So you put our ability to raise money up against a mortgage, and you got about $2 million. So we got a big problem here, and we just, we just really decided that despite this obvious glaring problem, that we were going to move forward on faith, and we were going to see what God might just do. And we realized that 
anything that we could possibly raise over the course of two years, anything above $1 million, we should consider a win. In fact, I told, I told our consultants, I said, we're, we're going to do significantly better than $1 million. And they were like, okay, okay, fat boy, whatever you say, you know. Uh, they were like, seriously, we do this all the time. We consult with churches all around the world, and good luck with that. We'll see. We know how God tends to work, and we'll see. So we said, okay, we'll go into it, and anything over a million dollars, we will consider a win. So we decided to adopt a little bit of a different strategy than most. Obviously, instead of just talking about money, we went on this 21-day spiritual journey. So much more important. And then we did a weird thing. We had somebody come along and say, look, if, if your church uh, will give uh, end-of-year giving toward the fund, the building fund, um, we'll match it two for one. Remember that? And a bunch of you guys stepped it up and gave. And for our end-of-year giving, uh, our church gave $400,000. When that was matched, it came out to $1.2 million. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So before we even started the campaign, we had already blown the doors off their predictions for us. Before we even asked anyone uh, to give a pledge of what you might do over two years, God already moved and worked. And they, the consultants, were blown away. But that's not where it ended. So after that, um, we had some people in 2024, after the year end, they gave some one-time gifts towards the building campaign. Uh, to the total of $220,050, pushing our money, our, our line on up closer to $2 million. We were going through this whole big deal about the campaign, the 21-day journey and the Right Now campaign. And as we came close to the end, on the Tuesday before our public commitment, our leaders got together in here. And they were just all on it. I told you that they uh, were all about putting their uh, pledges. I didn't have to pray about it because they'd already prayed about it. And they came and they made pledges. So they did two things. They pledged and they gave. So they pledged a certain amount of money and a lot of them gave one-time gifts. Their one-time gifts alone came up to $915,000 and then their commitments over the course of two years were for $433,099. So we're getting close to $3 million. They told us we couldn't probably hit one, and God is being good. Amen? Amen. And then on that Sunday, we came down to our public response time, and uh, you guys gave one-time gifts of $179,710 and made a two-year commitment for $472,448. Now we're at almost $3.5 million with all pledges and gifts tallied up. That is an incredible move of God that nobody could have foreseen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So,
So, I mean, this, I mean, already, I, I just, I'm just telling you, um, we're blown away by what we've seen. Your faithfulness, your generosity uh, really, really, really astounds me. And nobody, nobody thought this little bitty church would be able to, to do this. Seriously, I'm getting phone calls from this consultant. What did you do? How did you do this? What's going on? And they're sending me stuff. They want me to fill out a bunch of questionnaires. We're going to be like the lead on their website. Look at this. We consulted with this church. You know, whatever. Um, But it doesn't end there. You know, I told you before that we jumped into this building program because God was clearly moving. That God had been moving already and that we felt like we were behind the curve and running to catch up. Remember me saying that? Well, the reason I said that, part of the reason I said that is because people had already been giving gifts into the building fund way back in this time of year, last year, in 2023. And so we had had some surprise gifts come into the building fund to the tune of $1.2 million plus praise the Lord from places we never expected long before this happened Steve Marks back in 22 Steve Marks said next year's our year and he said big checks are going to come from strange places and that's exactly what happened is we people that we never expected said let's step up and let's do something and now look at where we are because of God's goodness when you total that all up we're at four million six hundred and twenty seven thousand six hundred and thirty nine dollars at a church where they said we'd get between 800 and 1 million bucks. Somebody ought to praise the Lord for that. So this is amazing. And usually what happens at churches is they, they, they get through their fundraising thing and they go, all right, we got through two years of that. Let's take a break for six months and then we'll get right back into another one and try to raise more money. Um, you know, so we got two years ahead of us, and at the end of that two years, this is where we expect to be. This is the amount of money uh, plus whatever mortgage, and that gets us kind of close. We're starting to get near the ballpark, um, but it's not good enough. Uh, we're still not going to be able to build the building on that. Um, but I'm just here to tell you that God is good, and uh, there is an organization uh, that builds churches in other countries never in the United States of America, but they give money to build churches in other countries. And for whatever reason, God has opened the door and they're willing to give us a grant. As long as we start the building really soon, they're willing to give us a grant of $3.3 million. (laughs) Bringing us all the way up. Praise the Lord. There you go, right there. Praise the Lord. Come on, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So here we are, looking at a graph of how amazing God is. He's called us to something that we can't do, that's bigger than us. And we said, yes, Lord, we will rise to the occasion and we will do, we will do what we can. And because we're, because we're faithful enough to respond and say, we'll do what we can, now we're looking at what God can do to make up the difference. Because that's what he does, is he makes up the difference in our lives. 
Praise the Lord. So I know you want to know. I know you want to know, well, what's next then? What happens next? What, what do we do now? Well, first of all, you and I are going to follow through with our commitments. Amen? Amen. We're going to follow through for the next two years, and we're going to continue to give towards the building fund. We're currently in the design phase. You've seen the conceptual floor plans, and they are now in the engineering phase where they're, you know, figuring out how big the steel's got to be, how thick the concrete's got to be, what the dimensions of everything are. And that whole, you know, getting all the construction plans uh, proceeds through July. In the meantime here, we're going to go back to our Mark study that we were in all last year, and I'm really excited about that. We'll start back into that next. Uh, I'm really excited because we're going to arrive at the middle of Mark's letter, the middle of his book, and uh, believe it or not, for Mark, the climax of his story isn't at the very end. It's in the middle, and so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at this great apex of Mark's story about Jesus. And then Easter's coming up in just six weeks. Good grief. Easter is right on our doorstep. Be praying about that. A lot of things are uh, not for certain. Um, the school has kind of decided that we can't be on the field again this year for some random reason. Uh, so we're trying to work that out. Please pray today for that. Um, don't know what's going on there, but please pray about that and pray about who God would have you bring. After the uh, design work is done on the building, we'll enter into the permitting phase. We're hoping that that goes smoothly. We've already had discussions with East LJ. Our new property is in the city limits of East LJ. And so they've already given conceptual approval to everything. Yep, you can build that, they said. So uh, we'll get official permits, hopefully August and September. And then right after that, bidding will take place. And then groundbreaking before the end of the year in November. Huh? And then that's the worst time because, <laughs> you know, you pour concrete. You, you can't pour concrete when it's below freezing. So we got several months of potentially below freezing weather. Who knows? So uh, construction will happen over the course of 18 months or so. And if everything goes according to plan, will be moving into our new facility in May of 2026. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In 1 Chronicles, when they witnessed what God did through the people giving and being faithful, the people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. And King David was filled with joy. Then David said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God. Don't praise the people that gave. Give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised the Lord, the God of their ancestors. And they bowed low and they knelt before the Lord and the King. So that's what I'm calling us to do now is to praise him because we've just seen a graph of one little smidgen of how good he is. And we just wanna see more of his goodness, amen? So Lord, we just recognize you at work. Father, it would be easy to say, well, we had good circumstances. Well, we had good favor among men, but we know God, we know that we couldn't do this and only you can. And look at you go, look at you work. 
Thank you, Father, that there's hope for us, that there's light at the end of this tunnel. Lord, that there's gonna be a home for us where we can have a platform to be even bigger and even bolder with the gospel in our community. Lord, it's all you, not us. And we wanna give you the praise, you the glory, and you have all the honor. In the name of Jesus, we all say, amen, amen. amen.